Hi, and welcome to this week's LGBT Wellness Podcast. Each week, LGBT HealthLink, a program of Centerlink, brings you a roundup of some of the biggest LGBTQ wellness stories from the past week. Get ready to listen and learn lots. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another week of our LGBT Wellness Roundup. As always, if anything we're about to discuss is of interest to you and you want to read the articles for yourself, just go to blog.lgbthealthlink.org. Let's start with the first story of the week, Soji questions need some work. Researchers led by Leslie Suen explored what LGBT people think about sexual orientation and gender identity, or SOGI, questions in medical forms in research. They find that typical questions that people see were not as fluid and open as they wanted, which limited the inclusiveness of the data. They also found that multi-part questions that assess different um, aspects of identity were often confusing. So for example, questions that were trying to kind of par out sex versus gender and gender identity, those questions, um, while they can give really useful information to people like me who do research, that, that people in general found those questions to be confusing. So overall, definitely some work that needs to be done. But as someone who has done a lot of work in this field, um, I think that the most important thing is that we're trying and that research like this is happening, that's actually you know seeing what people really think because a lot of times these questions that get added into types of research, whether it's around race or ethnicity or anything else, they don't really get tested before they get added. And um, a lot of people want to see more proof that SOGI questions are important and that they're going to work. Um, and, you know, it's kind of an unfair standard sometimes for researchers to have to prove that it matters to measure SOGI um, information. So it's really interesting to see a study like this that's giving us some useful facts around how people feel and what they would like to see in this type of research, as well as medical forms. Next up, another court rules on healthcare protections. Health Affairs reported that another court has blocked a change in federal law that would remove healthcare discrimination protections for LGBT individuals. This is the third such decision, but this one went farther in also striking an expansion to religious exemptions to anti discrimination laws. This series of three court cases, um, all making a similar ruling, followed the recent decision by the Supreme Court, which allows LGBT people to be included in employment non-discrimination laws. And all of these courts are kind of following that logic to say, well, when we look at healthcare non-discrimination, that should apply too. And so a recent change that the um, federal administration is making to try to roll back these protections, these three courts so far have said that that is, uh, is not permitted under the law. So speaking of non-discrimination rights, we get to our next story, Impact of Shelter Discrimination for Transgender Folks. The Center for American Progress studied the impact of another proposed federal rule that would uh, remove equal access to homeless shelters for transgender individuals. Basically, under the law right now, trans folks are allowed to enter any kind of gendered homeless facility that they want. So if they feel more comfortable in a male facility or in a female facility, um, they're able to choose between those two without respect to their documents, as long as they're doing so for a legitimate reason. Um, the Center for American Progress uh, found that trans folks were more likely than cis folks to have difficulty or just an impossible time finding an alternative place to stay to begin with. So with this rule, they're kind of surmising that it's going to be very difficult for a lot of trans folks to find um, any kind of alternative if a shelter turns them down because of their gender identity. 
Trans folks are also more likely than cisgender people to experience homeless um, in general. So we already have kind of a disproportionately impacted population who now is um, facing the possibility of having their protection stripped away. In our next story, sexual minority mental health in Mexico. A study in Mexico found that compared to heterosexual university students with no same-sex attraction, sexual minority students and heterosexual identified students who had some same-sex attraction faced higher risks with respect to several behavior health issues. Additionally, asexual students face disparities with respect to drug dependence, and it's great to see asexual identities included in a study like this because that is often um, left out. The study is one of few to look at how uh, LGBT mental health issues are coming up and um, being addressed in countries that are classified as developing. Next up, making language inclusive. USA Today reported on several changes made by Dictionary.com to make terms more inclusive. These included adding terms gender inclusive and trans plus to the dictionary, as well as editing a bunch of terms on sexuality. They also had a lot of changes to make to terms regarding to things like race and ethnicity, which are definitely relevant for LGBT folks and inclusion in general. For example, they are capitalizing um, black as it applies to race. They also added gender inclusive terms like Afro-Latinx with an X at the end, um, which is considered a more gender neutral way of saying, for, for example, Afro-Latina or Afro-Latino. And finally for the week, Annual Healthcare Index shows progress. HRC published its Annual Healthcare Equality Index, and of the record 765 facilities who participated, 495 were named leaders, while another 193 were named top performers. 92% of facilities met the staff training requirement that HRC sets as part of its uh, standards while only 53% have policies and procedures for welcoming and interacting with transgender patients. That, to me, was really interesting, just to see the the huge difference between the number of facilities that have something like training in place, which is great, very important, um, and something that not everyone is doing, compared to those that have kind of actual policies to make sure that trans patients are, are getting the help that they need. It's a much smaller number who are doing the latter. So I think that, you know, th- this to me shows that there's been a lot of progress. It's great to see as many facilities as this that are voluntarily participating and are, are kind of setting themselves up to be scrutinized and to be judged on these quali- uh, qualifications. But on the other hand, there's still a lot of work to do, especially around some of these nuts and bolts issues when we get past the kind of you know, these these general let's get everyone trained kind of things to actually see what kind of care are people receiving. Okay, well, that wraps up another week of our LGBT Wellness Roundup. I hope that you've enjoyed listening to the podcast. If you want to follow up on any of the stories that I shared, you can find them at blog.lgbthealthlink.org. And I hope that you'll tune in next week for another edition.